welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. You might not recognize me in glasses, but I'm Perry. And Haley wears her glasses much better. <laughs> no, not true. But I'm just happy that finally you have to deal with the reflection issues too. Man. It is so much not a joy. It's the only thing I don't like about doing this from home, except not getting to see you, is the dang reflection. It is. It's very... As though I don't find wearing glasses distracting enough. Now, every time I look at myself, I see like the light in my eye and it's freaking me out even more. Um, it's not my choice to wear glasses. So did I even tell you what happened? I think I did. Good. Yeah, I did. I, pr I probably like dribbled it out in our hectic conversations the other day. But I, like, I don't even, I don't even know what happened, but I did get it looked at recently. And apparently it could be, you know, you get an eyelash stuck in your eye, or maybe there was a rip in my contact lens, but I woke up one morning and like a spot in my, my left eye was, was red. And I didn't remember, you know, accidentally poking it or anything, but it, it looks a lot better today. I just have to keep my contacts out for 48 hours and You're almost there. Eyes, eyes are sensitive things and they're quite precious. So I'm not going to mess with that. And I'm going to follow the rules no matter how much I despise my glasses. Very good idea. Very smart. Sometimes I'm responsible about those things. Not always. <laughs> Sometimes. All right. So hopefully, hopefully the glare in the glasses don't distract all of you as much as it's distracting me right now. We've got some news stories to hit this week. Yeah. Kind of a busy week for like minor news stories just like a whole ton of them did you, oh, hear doing? did you hear that no no he's he's like throwing a little temper tantrum right now well, you called it right before we started taping because he's got that vibe to him he just he's he wants attention right now and he's basically not understanding why i'm giving anything else attention other than him every time i visit you i know the feeling well I also just realized that I closed the application that has all of my links in it. So I'm going to reopen that right now and uh, and mute these notifications for a good while. That's okay. Right. So where where do we want to start here? Do we want to start with the with the release date announcements? It feels like a good place. There were so many of them this week. Yeah, I'm feel I'm feeling good about kicking off the conversation here. So. I've got the uh, the list handy here. It's a whole bunch of searchlight films. So, first up here we have the Night House, which is now scheduled for July sixteenth. Then we have the Eyes of Tammy Faye, scheduled for September fourth. After that, it is Antlers, long-awaited Antlers coming out on October 29th. And then finally, a highly anticipated Guillermo del Toro movie. We have his adaptation of Nightmare Alley arriving on December 3rd. So, do you want to take, take it one by one? Uh, sure. I don't have a bunch to say about all of them, but that, if, you know, God or anyone else willing, if these release dates are doable those are going to be the craziest few months yeah you know, that has been pushed into the later year is bananas i'm ready for it i have had all this time to rest up at home watching stuff bring on bring on that kind of craziness i will 
tell you guys how excited I am about the night house because I did get to see that at Sundance last year. And I was really excited that, you know, I liked another David Bruckner movie that it got picked up by searchlight. Cause I think that's a, a good place for it to live. It was a little surprised that they didn't decide to just release that one on a, on a streaming service in the end, because it does feel like it's well suited to that. It is a, it's a very well shot movie and surprise, surprise. It's got a phenomenal performance from Rebecca Hall, but it didn't necessarily scream wait for theaters to me, but still I'm, I think it's a fantastic movie period. And I'm glad that it's coming out when it is. I mean, July, they're going to have to hybrid it at that point. Like it's going to have to be at the most like a, a promising young woman type situation. But these, I mean, at this point, they are, they're planning this schedule as though these are going to be released in theaters and theaters alone, right? I mean, July, really? Do you think? No, no, no. I'm not saying that I think it's actually going to pan out this way. It's intentions at this moment is for this slate to be their theatrical slate. I guess, but like, that seems foolish to me at this point in January when the news stories are like the rollout for vaccine for people 65 and older is now looking to complete somewhere around the summer like all the other people back in LA so I just and these people who make these choices live and work in LA you would think they are aware of these things so my maybe I'm wrong but my thinking is that'll probably have a pretty quick turnaround to come to home video well at least I hope so that's fair. That's fair. I mean, that'll probably be the case. Like something along the lines of, I don't know why this is the only title coming to my mind right now, but Promising Young Woman, which hit theaters at the end of December, only to come out on VOD in mid-January, which right. I guess it gives them the best of both worlds. I don't really care. I just want people to see it at this point. Exactly. What about The Eyes of Tammy Faye? Do you know much about that? I don't know much about that. I can tell you about it because I've got the HandyCollider.com article right here. So, this one stars Jessica Chastain, and the official synopsis reads, In the 1970s and 80s, Tammy Faye, Chastain, and her husband Jim Baker rose from humble beginnings to create the world's largest religious broadcasting network and theme park and were revered for their message of love, acceptance, and prosperity. Tammy Faye was legendary for her indelible eyelashes, her idiosyncratic singing, and her eagerness to embrace people from all wakes of all walks of life. However, it wasn't long before financial improper. I don't know what that word is. I also can't see either, if anybody can tell. Scheming rivals and scandal uh, scandal toppled their carefully constructed empire. So I don't, you should probably be warned because I'm reading news stories today. I don't see as well out of my glasses as I do my contact lenses. You're so doing it's gonna, great. It's going to be super entertaining in that respect all the way through. Yeah. Sign me up. Everyone else is going to love this experience but you today let's just settle into that i love seeing you in your glasses it makes me feel at home yeah one one more thing about the glasses on a regular day i only only put my glasses on right before bed so i feel like my body is trained to think it's tired when my glasses go on so i feel like the past two days i felt so out of sorts just because of that right 
you're uh, like self-programming to an extent, which is smart. Habits are good, except for when they go awry. Oh, that is <laughs> that is definitely the case. All right. What else is there? Antlers. Antlers. Long-awaited antlers. That was a popular one when we did our release date lineup. Folks were like, what about antlers? And fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's feels like a film from another life. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just one of those movies that's like, after this whole wait, I'm like, antlers, right, right, antlers. Um, but no, Carrie Russell. We love Carrie Russell. She's amazing. Yes. The, the teases of the creature in the trailer looks pretty awesome. And I, you you all know I'm a sucker for a creature. So obviously, I'm here for antlers. Yes, and uh, yet another shout out to uh, Nick Antosca, who uh, contributed as a writer, I believe, on this. I feel like his name was the first one that drew me to this. And then as other names became attached, it it just made me really, really hyped. And this is another one. I'm just glad I'm glad people are finally going to get to see it. It feels like we've been talking about it for forever. I believe isn't. Yes. OK, I just checked. So, you know, we love not to be wrong on the record, but it's based on a short story by Nick Antosca, too. So he didn't just do the screenplay. He, it's his concept. Well, worth clarifying. And lastly here, Nightmare Alley. Yay. More, more Guillermo. Yeah, come on. Of course. He's got a great cast, too. It does. And it Bradley sounds Cooper, like interesting. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just running through the cast. Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, um, Ron Perlman, Mary Steenburgen, and David Strathairn. So that's it's a great good. list. <laughs> Have you nope. read the book? No, I haven't. I just kind of familiarized myself with the plot when we were doing our like anticipated movies of 2021 list. It sounds pretty cool. It's like a, you know, like a huckster in a carnival making his way up the food chain. And apparently all the different chapters are different tarot cards, which I find interesting. I read it. I didn't love it. Ooh. I didn't love it. I did the audio book. So maybe that affected my experience a little bit, but I don't know. It, it was one of those things where I was I was super interested when it felt like it was going down one path and then things shifted in a way where I lost interest. Mm-hmm. But that also might be my relationship to book reading. Like, you know, when you're when you're reading a long book and you're so, so into it for a while and then for whatever reason you get distracted. Just call um, this one. This was well, this was also a while ago. I had listened to this while I was training for the marathon. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. That's so another life. Yeah, it like I feel so detached from that experience, but I do I do vividly remember like thinking it was the greatest thing ever and then kind of losing interest and maybe feeling like the pacing was off, but that's that's the great thing about adaptations. I mean, you don't even have to share my feelings about the book, but for someone like me who maybe liked the book that also didn't love it, now the movie has the opportunity to, you know, build upon what works so well for me and maybe it'll surprise me. Yeah. I mean, I trust in Guillermo and not all of his movies are 10 out of 10 for me, but they never go below a certain point. So like, I agree with that. Pretty confident. Um, and I do, you know, like the idea, if he's embracing it, we don't know, but the tarot aesthetic with mm-hmm. Guillermo's aesthetic, that does like a lot for me. 
I I listened to the book after he had signed on, so I think I pictured all of the visuals with a certain uh, a certain look and style to them, and uh, I do very much like what I pictured. Yeah, <laughs> it's great in my mind. And who knows? I mean, I remember when this project first came together that it, because of Shape of Water, hi Dewey, oh. the prediction was that. Uh, you know, because of the caliber of the cast and because of uh, Guillermo del Toro's run with Shape of Water in award season, that this could be another genre film on the horizon that could uh, do the seemingly impossible and become a genre movie that's up for awards. I don't want to get ahead of myself in that department, but I very much remember having that conversation back in the day and being excited by it. I'm always excited about that. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people in that cast that the Academy likes a whole lot. There really is a lot here. <laughs> oh, now Dewey's walking all over the desk. I hear a little jingle jangle going on. Oh, he's rubbing on the uh, the microphone right now. How does that sound for you? Is that a little little cat ASMR from Dewey? Can you, can you hear him breathing? A little. If a little. Now I he's feel like more of a rustling. Now he's just creepy crawling all over the place. <laughs> this is like not a good position to be in. It's like an exercise in scale. He looked like a giant monster tumbling through. I think he's he's coming down now. He's just gonna sit in my lap now. That's so famous cool. last words. He'll destroy something in five seconds. <laughs> um, all right, next up here. How about, do we want to just jump into images specifically? Sure. Yeah. Well, the first image on our list is this one from Halloween Kills. Yeah. Which is Michael Myers stepping out of a fiery house. And I would assume that that could be Lori's house. (laughs) One would think. Yeah. I mean, they might as well release something like that at this point. It's it's yeah. obvious. It's a topic of conversation. Just go for it. Answer that question, which we were talking about recently on the preview episode. So, apparently, found his way out of the house. Good for Michael. Good for think, the franchise. You think that confirms that it's OG Michael Myers? They don't have someone else in the mask. I mean, I don't assume anything confirmed until I watch a movie. But it it, it seems to be the messaging that they're putting forth here. It's like. He got out. Now we're wondering about what happens next. I want that movie now, now, now. It does excite me that even when we just post an image from the movie, that it does very well. I like that the the interest is still sky high. It's very interesting, this, like, renewed interest in Halloween. Not that there was a lack of interest in the original franchise, but, like, I feel like if this was like Halloween 14, it wouldn't be the same level of excitement that has been generated by this new take on it. And that is very fun for me, at least from what I've seen in my years of working in this industry, like the interest in really long running horror franchises, 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 uh, burns out a little bit. I've pulled you down to my level today. Oh, stop it. (laughs) You're the one in glasses. You've been pulled down to my aesthetic nightmare. <laughs> like they keep like making a ridge on my nose. I'm gonna start stop complaining about my glasses now. Um, where are we? Another image? Yes, there. Are, oh, I don't even think we had this on the list. But if you want to look it up, 
there was also one from Spiral. It's like Chris Rock literally looking at a spiral. Did we push? Did oh. we put it on the uh, website? I don't think we covered it on Collider. Spiral Just- image. <laughs> that was the dumbest thing to Google. I'm, you're getting spirals, right? It's, I mean, it's under the Google News tab, but I, I basically uh, typed in spiral image and then went to my image tab and just got a whole ton of spirals. <laughs> just to clarify. All right. I'm looking at the correct one now. And uh, okay. He's looking at a spiral. I mean, yeah. I I will, again, reference our like uh, preview episode. And I do like that it's Chris Rock doing detective work because I was saying how much I love sort of the underplayed noir 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 roots. Tough to say of the franchise in the first film. So I'm hoping that like there'll be a lot of detecting. I'm really pulling a lot out of this image. Can you do me a favor, Haley? I'm sending you. I'm sending you a word in the in the private chat. (laughs) Here's, Here's the word that tripped me up improprieties uh, it's improprieties okay. <laughs> like, i wanted to see how much quicker you got to it than me <laughs> there's just so many little lines so close together we're, we're having a struggle well it's a lot of repeating too the yeah. repeat the r's repeat the i-e the i-e thank I you like- thank you for making me feel better about that one Yay, spiral. I like I'm trying to like examine the rest of the the image to see if I see any like uh little hidden things. There's around. like Billy the puppet around the corner. I mean there's there's no there's no puppet, but are you are you looking at it right now? I am now. You see like what is the uh what's the graffiti in the background? For a minute I thought it looked like Toad from Mario. <laughs> little bit um, I guess I kind of see that now that you said that <laughs> I'm gonna create like some weird rumors about what's in this movie um and like for for what it's worth do you see I see the a skeleton and a pumpkin in the window up top oh oh hey is this I would love if this was set during Halloween Huh. I thought I was just bringing up random things that would have served no purpose, but that actually could be a real hint. That could be fun. <laughs> I mean, that would also be interesting because um, for so many years, like the catchphrase was, if it's Halloween, it must be Saw. But then this wasn't going to come out at Halloween. It was going to come mm-hmm. out in May. So that would have been cheeky if it was said during Halloween. Mm. We're really, again, pulling a lot out of these images. <laughs> We're doing the best work here. Hi, that's what they're here for. Our unique commentary. (laughs) Our unique level of staring at shit in the background. It's very unique today. Um, Next one here, Last Night in Soho. Oh, yeah. I mean, yet another another one that just stands out. I mean, these are are just eye-catching images that they keep releasing for this movie. And Last Night in Soho was also just delayed again, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> it was the universal one with uh, nobody and no time to die. Again. <laughs> again. So many delays. Oh, and Morbius. Right. Dang. So yeah. Many. I was really excited about Morbius, too. <laughs> I mean, we'll do it actually. I know. I know. But I want things now, now, now. We also have another uh, image from Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
that one, I mean, you know, it's, it's another image. There's only so much to say about these things, but it's we nice. Gave everything we had to that spiral image. I know. Really? Now, now we're tapped. That's it. Episode over. <laughs> I, like oh, seeing, right, I, like kids, I like seeing the kids. Oh, you know, I missed that. Go, go ahead and go go yourself a muncher. It's a real, it's a real sight. Wait, so is there another Ghostbusters link that went up today? I think it went up today. Uh, it's a little, a little blobby blue guy. I'm looking at the the image from four days ago. Aha, uh-huh. we were we were taken in different images. Is that wait wait? It's not in this article. Is that really what it's called? Yeah, yeah. He's called the muncher, or just muncher. Drop the the. It's cleaner. Oh, I see him. <laughs> um, so I'm not that surprised because I think I saw like baby muncher icon in our in our Slack channel before I saw like a full yeah. one. It almost looks I mean, it looks fake to me. It looks unfinished to me. Like, um, What's the word? I don't know. Just unfinished. I don't know what to make of it, but it's cute and blobby. And we will see it in action and then judge. If they don't make, you know, like plush toys out of this thing, mm-hmm. they okay. they don't understand how to uh, how to market a movie. Money. They will. They know. They, they, know they don't understand how to money. <laughs> I feel like. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Muncher already has a promotional tie-in with Hostess, which is launching a line of Twinkies inspired by the gooey blue ghoul. How about that? How's, how's that for some marketing? You know what? They got to go all in. They got to go all in on this guy. I applaud them for it. I will try it and probably not like it. <laughs> Sometimes you got to munch a muncher. What are you going to do? Like they, they need to make muncher stress balls. There's something about it that like... Squeeze it. I agree. I can't put it's it in those words. It's got a weirdly I'm I'm fixating on Muncher, I know. But it's like weirdly tactile. I feel like I can feel his skin and it's are, you, are you looking at a screen grab of yeah. where the image came? All right. So there's there's something about this image that almost looks to me like and like I, I don't mean this to sound like these aren't cool because I've seen some incredible photography done this way. It almost looks like a like toy, like figure photography to me. Like like Muncher is a is like a physical action figure type thing that exists in the real world, and someone used a good camera to take a picture of it. That's what it looks like to me. I I get that energy. That would uh, also fall into why I feel like I could touch him. Yeah, then it, I, it's provoking a lot of feelings in me. Surprisingly, <laughs> this whole episode is just about spiral and muncher. Nothing else. I hope you guys are going to enjoy this ride. Lock in. <laughs> I feel like we need to tell Thad to put muncher in the in the thumbnail. Oh, if muncher, if muncher is not the thumbnail of this video, we have failed you. <laughs> we don't know how to money. <laughs> All right, I think that's all of our images, right? Yes. That's, that's a good that's thing. <laughs> where where are we at now? We can go to the Willy Wonka movie? Yeah, sure, why not? That feels like an appropriate pivot. I don't know. That's, all right. 
exactly how I feel about that movie as well. Why not? This this article on Collider comes from Jeff Snyder, who, of course, is the one who reported back in 2018 that Ryan Gosling, Donald Glover, and Ezra Miller were all being eyed to star in this movie. Now, sources are saying that Warner Brothers has their eye on either Tom Holland or Timothy Chalamet. I I feel like I've been thrown for I feel like I've been thrown for a loop. One, because I remember when Jeff broke that story. I think that was like right about when he joined the team. And I remember discussing it on Movie Talk and having my head like just like swirling around with possibilities because I picture a different Willy Wonka movie with all three of those original actors named. And if you had thrown in Tom Holland and or Timothy Chalamet at that time, then it would have been a fourth possible route. I feel like Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet are... You know, they're they're close enough that I'm picturing the same-ish type thing with both of them. But to go from what I was imagining in 2008, all of those possibilities, to this drastically different one, mm-hmm. I guess I'm kind of concerned. Because <laughs> it, it feels like the focus has shifted between then and now considerably. I, don't, I feel like this is, fits in with the Ezra vibe. Like, they probably honed in on the tone they were going for. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, Timothy Chalamet and Ezra Miller are reading for the same roles all the time, like without question. I don't know. I view I view Ezra Miller as being well suited to far more eccentric characters than I do Timothy Chalamet. I mean, and, you know, maybe I'm boxing them in based on the roles that they've already played, which perhaps isn't fair. But, you know, that's that's how these things work. <laughs> that's all we have to go on when we're theorizing about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really know what to think of it. It's very uh, like my instinct wants to be kind of negative, but then you look at the creative talent with Paul King and Simon Rich, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna give this every benefit of every doubt because they've done amazing things. I probably said this back in 2018, even though I'm very apprehensive about this idea and. Like, as much as I love Timothy Chalamet and Tom Holland, and actually, I'd probably mean this a little more seriously about Tom Holland. I, I don't think they're, I don't think this is the role for them. I totally could see Chalamet. I genuinely don't see Tom Holland. And, but that's also, I mean, uh, again, based on the short career uh, he, of leading roles he's been given at this point in his life not a lot to judge from you know um, who are you talking about right now well both of them but okay. i was i was talking about tom holland specifically like i i don't see it but i have i i, I believe 100 percent. i haven't seen everything that guy's capable of so maybe they know what i don't know i also still have questions about the tone of the movie and how oh. extreme and how extreme they are going because the original the original uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, Willy Wonka movie was a, a drastically different from the Johnny Depp rendition that we got. Yeah. What style are we going with here? Uh, what did Jeff say in the article that made me think more of the Johnny Depp style? Really? I was hoping the opposite because I think Paddington has, you know, even though it's a a CGI bear type situation. It's, it's got a, a groundedness and a really sweet earnestness to it. 
Yeah. And I like the idea of that being applied to this. I hope so. Simon Rich is also a super weird, absurdist writer. And that makes me really excited. Um, I say super weird with like the greatest compliments. I never know what I'm going to get from one of his stories or shows or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, I'm intrigued. I I do. I agree. I thought the first batch of names was more interesting, particularly Donald Glover. I thought that would have been his energy is so unique and, he does have that unpredictability that I think made Gene Wilder's take on the character so special. Um, I don't know. I'm curious. And I sure do like the idea of, of the director of Paddington imagining the world of Willy Wonka. That sounds pretty yeah. cool and visually splendid and stuff. I feel like after, after Paddington, it's a sign me up for anything Paul King wants to do next kind of thing. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right. Next on the list. Yeah. Oh, I know we're both very excited to talk about this. We've got a trailer for a new Netflix series. It's called Fate, the Winx Saga. Yeah. I didn't like this trailer. And I went into it very open-minded because I know what can happen when a Netflix show pops. And I like being a part of that. And this felt like, you know, Sabrina's come and gone. Maybe this is, you know, did things pan out with Curse? Is Curse continuing? But maybe this could be the thing that that fills that gap and really, uh, really pops with audiences. But based on the trailer, I'm going to bet against that. This, this. I was Googling to see if I could give my thoughts. And it looks like the embargo just lifted. So I will say that not super good uh i watched a few episodes and this is totally my type of bullshit to be honest like this ya fairy fantasy nonsense love it it was not it it wasn't it for me sad to say that what what was it what was it about it that didn't work for you was it a was it performances? Was it the production value? Because I, I am, I'm basically naming things that I saw issues with in the trailer, and I'm curious if that actually bleeds out into the full thing. Just across the board, like I didn't feel that the quality was there, or or the energy was there, or the effort. Like, not to say people didn't try, but it just like it didn't. It doesn't function the way you want a show to function the performances the look of it the energy of it the feeling the narrative like it just doesn't work okay i won't be watching it i also have one more glasses fact for you or not really a glasses fact but like i feel like i keep winking maybe that's why i wink all the time i don't even think it's because of the glasses i think because sometimes it feels like my eyes bothering me Oh. In case I'm I'm winking at everybody. There's there's a reason. That's what keeps happening. I I do it all. I don't know. I'll do it like alone in a room if I think something's cheeky. I'll like wink at my computer screen. I'm blowing <laughs> glasses now. That's what's happening. I don't even. I'm not capable of doing something like a cool wink ever. Like in everyday life. So the fact that I'm involuntarily like accurate, like properly winking right now is, is weirding me out. <laughs> you're, you're just twitching, but it's looking cooler than really is. I love so like one eye is actually closing while the other stays open. I feel like I'm the kind of person that'll try to do a cool wink and go like this. 
Oh yeah. We love it. We love a, a, all right. That's just called blinking. I'm like, let's do that. <laughs> oh, did, here's, here's like another unrelated fun fact. Have you ever read that, that uh, thing about cats that their version of, of like expressing love towards a human is slow blinking? Yeah. So I've do you ever that. just stand there and slow blink? Like, why is that blinking? And slow blink to your cats? Uh, I should try that. Because I do try to, like, you know, dogs hug by leaning on you. Yes. So, like, I do try to lean on my dogs to speak their language. I will try slow blinking at my cats now. Dewey definitely does the slow blink thing. And I get so excited. And I'm not sure what's proper what's like a proper response to a cat. Like sometimes I'll just stand there and do it back to him. Cause I want him to know it's I'm like, I'm reciprocating. I also love you. I think he knows. I think he knows. He's so chill right now. It's great. Oh. He got the uh, early. Good. Here's, here's a piss poor transition for you. Let's talk about the boys season three. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's they're doing the thing well they're doing one of the things there's a lot of things all right so the news was that eric kripke tweeted an image of the the front page of the script for episode 306 and it's called hero gasm which it's not that much of a surprise to me no i don't there's like this whole like we're finally going there and to me it's like my bros you've been going there yeah this isn't a show that's been afraid to do anything really no just in case anyone out there needs some background apparently herogasm was the first of the comic standalone miniseries to run as it found the boys sneaking into vat's secret annual party known only as herogasm as it turns out the event is really just an entire weekend of debauchery on a secluded island resort packed with sex and illegal drug use. This sounds very unbrand to me. Yep. Yep. It is. Super duper is. And I, you know, like the rest of the show, I have hopes that it'll be slightly less, like, just straight up gross in the hands of this creative team. And, um, yeah, again, I'm with you. It's not surprising in any way. We all have, like, I don't want to say we knew it was coming because, but I'm, but like, we did. <laughs> well, as in, as in the, uh, as in the comic was gross? Oh, yeah. The comic had a lot of uh, qualities that have translated better through the filter of the writing staff. Like, because they have women writers and things like that. It helps. It helps. Well, yeah, this episode is is written by a woman. A woman. A woman. <laughs> I can't. I love, I love when we tape on Fridays. <laughs> I think, like, literally every single time we tape on a Friday, this is what happens. Has loony been material. I love it so much. Like the witching hour. It's like the giggle hour. It's like that time of day when you just lose it so much that you can't stop being silly and giggling. Because we're like, well, you are you are in happy hour. I'm like an hour away from happy hour. I'm all, I'm almost there. I got I got like a little ways to go. I mean, time wise, like yeah. you you are in the time zone where your brain is like, it's over. The week is over. A little bit. And, you know, we say this every week, so I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I am exhausted from this week. 
I have written up so much WandaVision coverage and I've sprinted to so many deadlines and I'm still not done. Yeah. They're all weeks and we mean it every time. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But we deliver good work in the process. I am very proud of the work that we do. As you should. Even this nonsense right here. I'm very oh, this is the most yeah. fun work of yeah. them all. All right. It looks like we've got, what, two more? Yeah. First here, we've got the first look at James Wan's new movie, Malignant, which is yet another one I'm very excited about. And looks to be an image. Yeah. Oh, this came from the HBO Max trailer. Yeah, it's just a little glimpse, of, you know, like a little figure behind her. So I guess we could have put it in our image category. Dang it, we're back on an image. Yeah. The, uh, the article said said footage. I got confused. Trixie. Well, I guess if you watch the video, it's technically footage. Very true. Now I feel better about uh, mismanaging our lineup today. <laughs> I mean, this is another one, though, that, you know, not to place too much emphasis on a single image from a movie, but it is a very pretty image. And I do genuinely like the colors and the layers of it. That was the takeaway for me was like, dang, that looks cool. I don't know what any of it means or what that thing is behind her or whatever is happening, but it looks cool. It's hard not to compare it to James Wan's other work, but it feels like it's got like a like a touch of the further to it. I was going to say it, uh, more than anything insidious vibes for me coming yeah. through here. Which I will I will happily take. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, that I mean HBO Max uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on this year. I mean, pissing a lot of people off and perhaps rightly so, but we are going to see some good movies on HBO Max. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. I'm I'm very pumped to see the uh, the Godzilla versus Kong trailer because oh, that's Wait. You know, that there's a lot of pressure on that trailer because we all feel the hole in our hearts regarding blockbusters. We need them. We miss them. This is like the first big trailer, I believe, that we're getting after they made that announcement about their entire 2021 slate. And it's also a movie that obviously feels particularly well suited to seeing it on the big screen. But the majority of us are going to see it at home on HBO Max. It's just... I'm I'm curious if the uh, if the trailer winds up changing our feelings on that matter and how we're going to wind up viewing it. I like. I mean, I'm so excited to see it, and maybe it's just this is a little inside baseball. But we watch so many movies, whether it's pandemic or not, on, on internet screeners with our names plastered across the middle of it. You uh, never stopped me from loving a movie that I loved. You know. Like a good movie is a good movie. And I appreciate the theatrical experience. I worked in movie theaters for most of my life. They're important to me. But nothing's going to stop me from loving a movie. No per no means of projecting it or displaying it. That's actually a very fair point. Because as you were saying that, I wanted to shout out a laundry list of watermarks that I despise on my screeners. <laughs> but when I really do think about it, it'll only annoy me for the beginning. And I don't think I've ever been in a situation where at the end of a movie that I'm liking, I'm thinking to myself, this would have been a completely different experience without my name branded in the middle of it. It's almost like, like it's an extra test. It's like if my, my gigantic name in the middle of the screen goes away, then the movie really did suck me in. 
I, I, it's like it's a real testament to the power of suspension of disbelief. If you can get there while your actual name is being broadcast to you the whole time, that's quite something. There's only one that ever truly did what you were talking about, and it was an older watermark that this company no longer uses that was a grid pattern of your name in little lines across the entire screen. It was horrific. Thank what? God they don't do that anymore. Please. I'll never forget the first time I played something that was watermarked like with my my parents and my mom was just like, is your name going to be there the whole time? Yep. Mom, that's how it works. I can't. I, I love that poster they released for Kong Godzilla. I can't wait to see the trailer. I can't wait mm-hmm. to see the film. I wish I could have seen it in theaters, but I don't care that I have to watch it at home to give me it. Yeah, I think I think I'm in the same boat as you at this point. I just give me my blockbusters, please. Give me my boy, my chunky oh. boy. My chunky boy. I would like to see him. <laughs> and obviously, my response to that is also give me another tattoo. Yes. Oh, I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait. Where that is top priority when I get back. All right. Our last story here. It's kind of a big one. Mm-hmm. The headline reads, Jurassic World Dominion is the culmination of the entire Jurassic franchise, says Colin Trevorrow. Mm-hmm. Let me see if, oh boy, do you, do you dare me to read this quote? It's a big I, quote. I so dare you just so I don't have to do it. Okay, hold on. <laughs> My eyes like feel tired too. I'm fine, I'll do it. <laughs> I, can re- I can read it, it's okay. 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 All right, ready? So he said, to me, Dominion is a culmination of one story that's been told. When you got to the end of the Jurassic Park trilogy, it may not have been as clear in what the complete story of these three movies was because they were a bit more episodic in the way that they were approached. But this trilogy is not that way. It's very much a serialized story. What was important for me was when you watch Dominion, you really feel like you're learning how much of a story that first set of movies was and how everything that happened in those movies actually informs what ultimately is able to happen in this. If kids who are born today are going to be presented with six Jurassic Park movies. You hope the parents will buy them the box set. You hope they are going to get to feel like they watch one long story. So that. Okay. There there's one more, there's one more block here, but that's about camp Cretaceous. So let's get that after we discuss this point. The point, the point that he's making I feel like the knee-jerk reaction is it's ridiculous because as much as I love all three of the original Jurassic Park movies, I know how everybody feels or most people feel about them. And I know that the quality goes down, down, down. But I have been, I've truly been able to see threads that go from one to the next to the next and also inform certain character behavior in this new trilogy that we're getting already. So what he's saying here it it makes a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, it basically says to me that the point of this trilogy is going to wind up being something that we see in every single installment of this franchise. And it's that even when mistakes were made before, man can't help it. And they're going to keep making the same mistakes again. That's, that's what the whole thing is. Fair enough. Uh, 
it's it's every mad scientist story. It's Frankenstein, but with dinosaurs. We can't help ourselves. We're going to do the dumb thing. It's AI stories. It's the same thing. Um, I love that take on it. I do, however, get nervous when people are like, this film's going to recontextualize the whole franchise. I'm like, I don't fucking need you to do that, honestly. Those films work for me just fine. Okay, the third one doesn't really work for me, but I still like it. Um, and I don't, I don't need context. Like, I don't need you to say these meant something in this way, uh, that I bristle to a little bit. It depends how he does it. Yeah. I I feel like he's either going to go down one of two paths here. It's going to wind up being a situation where that effort feels too heavy handed and it's going to be a turnoff. Mm -hmm. Or there is the chance they do it subtly enough that after you watch Dominion, you go back and rewatch the first three movies and it's got like a Cobra Kai Karate Kid effect to it. You watch it in a somewhat new light or you appreciate something that you might have not appreciated that particular way before. That is what I hope they wind up doing because I I love the opportunity to revisit some of my favorites and get something new out of them every single time. Mm -hmm. It's a very tall order, though. It is. I also think it's really funny just that he like straight up said when you buy the box set. I don't something about that is really funny to me, like pre-marketing a box set for a movie that hasn't come out yet. Just- well, he knows he missed out on the what was it, the hostess cupcake opportunity. So he's gotta he's gotta promote the box set now. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have some form of Jurassic snacks. They'll be on the Coke cans or, or the Doritos or something. Yeah. They always are. <laughs> I was just looking through old uh, old Toy Fair pictures. You remember when we used to cover Toy Fair? Yeah. Or am I the only one who went through that? I know. I never went. It was, it's in New York, right? Yes. Yeah. I never went, but I remember it. My my assignment when I went to Toy Fair was essentially like take my, my fancy uh, DSLR camera and take as many pictures as you possibly can. Of one. I didn't know a fraction of what I needed to, to effectively take pictures of these toys. But two, I also barely knew how to use the features on that camera. So it was legitimately like I would walk away with something like 4,000 images with maybe 500 usable ones. (laughs) You got 500 usable ones and that's all that matters. But one of, one of the events that I went to was for the very first Jurassic World movie, and I took my little cousins at the time, and I happened to have just found all those pictures, and it excited me. Yeah. Um, Not you, that I need more Jurassic stuff, but... Did you ever get anything that you really liked from the Toy Fair? I don't think I ever left with anything. It's like, Toy Fair isn't, Toy Fair isn't a place where you actually buy stuff. It's more it's more a place to unveil their newest lineup and, and things like prototypes and stuff that won't be available for months and months. I feel like the only thing I ever physically walked away from Toy Fair with is, you know, something something like, you know, a Lego minifig that they gave you in a goodie bag on the way out. Stuff like that. Huh. See, I never went. I know nothing. Now, now you know something about it. Although 
They did. They did. Do, not that anyone's asking to hear about this, but sometimes they'll do offsite events like this Jurassic one. And also they did one for Star Wars one year that was great because both of those I got to bring my little cousins. And mm-hmm. I mean, they just had a field day. And at that one, they did take some stuff home. And those kids were so happy. And I was so happy that that was like that hands down the best part of Toy Fair. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I always like focusing on the nice stuff like that. All right. So this Camp Cretaceous quote now. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's what he had to say about that. It's important to me out of respect for the writers who are continuing to expand and create to recognize Camp Cretaceous as clearly its own story and its own show. But this season, and if we're granted further opportunities to tell the story that we have in season three, will keep weaving into the larger story and really inform some things, even in Dominion, that will connect to discoveries made that I'm really excited about. You Have you seen both seasons? Yes. Okay. Uh, so season two, I can talk about. It's good. I didn't personally like it as much as the first season, but this is, I think it ties into like what he's talking about. The first season kind of felt like the original movies. It was like, you're in a park and the dinosaurs break out. Um, This season is more where I think they're heading with the franchise, which is like humans and dinosaurs are coexisting because Mm -hmm. season two is when the kids are left behind in the park after the events of Jurassic World. And they have to live with the dinosaurs. Um, And it changes, like the perspective is more in line with Fallen Kingdom in the sense that like these are pretty astonishing creatures that also need to be protected and cherished. Um, And so I think that like the sense of storytelling around how the humans interact with the dinosaurs, not as monsters, but as cohabitants in the world, that is going to be a huge like shared thread with Dominion. I like the sound of that. That is kind of what I've been hoping for that Dominion really does embrace that. I have to, I still have to watch season one of Camp Cretaceous. I just, I never got the screeners and then other things became the priority. And I, I actually almost binged it or started to binge it at least two weeks ago. But for some reason, I decided to put myself through Watchmen this time of year. Wow. I know I'm very late to the game on this, but that show is something else. Mm -hmm. Welcome. Shit. Yeah. Are you done? Yes, I'm done. Okay, you did the dang thing. Good for you. I, I, I binged it. I, I blew through it. It was a, it was one of those situations where once I hit, I think it was like episode three, then I couldn't stop. I had I had done, you know, one episode one night, then another night, then another night. And then I said, I, I just can't. And that was it. I'm glad you finally caught up with it. Yeah. It was really, really, really something else. Yeah. Uh, Jurassic World Camp Catrice. You know what I said. I said what I meant. Um, It's a much easier watch. The episodes are like 30 minutes or less. There's only six of them per season. I think maybe eight. Maybe I lied. Maybe I just make things up all the time. (laughs) Um, It's really fast is my point. And it's an easy watch. Improprieties. (laughs) Improprieties. Oh, women. (laughs) I I hope everybody enjoys... These nuggets of nonsense we bring you. It's all its all in good fun on a Friday on Witching Hour. Hell yeah. I <laughs> enjoy that. 
Have we have we missed any stories that we should hit? Well, kind of. We're going to be bringing our nonsense to another film festival <gasps> line. How dare I forget about this? How dare you? Um, with our, our dear friends at Certified Forgotten, we're going to be joining them at the Real Love Film Festival, which I'm very excited about. I want you guys to go check it out. I may have been a programmer on it. My first time programming a film festival. It was really fun, really cool. I'm excited by our lineup. And I'm really excited for folks, our viewers and listeners, because when we did that Dinner in America episode, many were like, I, d- I can't watch Dinner in America. And that sucks. And it does suck. But now you can because it's our opening night film and it rules and you should watch it. And I love it so much. I've seen it like six times and I never get sick of it. I think I've seen it twice. Because I watched it, I watched it once. I mean, if people watch that interview, they know this. I watched it with my parents, yeah. and it was like a real. It's not necessarily a movie you think you should be watching with your parents, but both of my parents really dug it, and that made me so happy. You know what else my mom really loved? Not to get off topic. So I tweeted this the other night, but we watched. Um, well, my mom mainly watched the the first two episodes of Wandavision, and the second. The ep- the second episode was over. She turns to me and she like full of just like like genuineness goes. That was ingenious. Oh, and I'm not gonna you know like my mom doesn't know Wanda and Vision. She doesn't know their full story, but her excitement over it makes me so enthusiastic about that show's ability to hopefully appease MCU diehards, but also bring in new fans and fans of all ages through yeah. what they're doing and. I don't know. It was just the first time that, because I love the MCU, you know that. And it's the first time that my mom got to share in something that I loved, that like in the MCU at least. And I, I was just so thrilled by that. That is awesome. And I, I mean, I'm jealous. My mom does not give one entire shit about superhero movies of any variety. So I would like also cherish the opportunity if she cared about something. Yeah, it made me it made me happy. Does your does your mom like sitcoms? All right. I I think part of I think part of the reason my mom really took to it is because sitcoms were were a very big deal. We shared them all through my life and she was always a big a big fan, you know, of sitcoms through the years. So that was the exciting element. I'm really uh excited. I mean well, yeah, now people have seen all the stuff we really had to work hard not to talk about last episode where we were like, is it in black and white or is it in color? Yeah. Uh, so I'm just, I can't, now we're all on the same page. We have no idea what happens next and I can't wait to find out because <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no idea. It's going to, it's going to drive me off my mind to only get an episode a week. I know. I can't um, do it. <laughs> but I am going to go back to self-promoting instead of promoting Marvel. Cause yeah, please do, please do. Um, go to realloveFest.com If you want to buy a pass, which you should, or at least a dinner in America, because obviously I love it. Um, it kicks off on February 10th and runs through the 14th. And in addition to dinner in America, not to like play favorites, but you should definitely check out Shiva baby and golden arm is such a surprisingly fun freaking movie that I didn't see coming that stars Mary Holland from uh, Happiest Season and it's about two best friends and arm wrestling and it's just so much freaking fun. Why so, haven't I heard about that before? I, that's what I'm saying. It came out of nowhere. 
It's such a delight. It was definitely scheduled for another festival before. It, had it sounds been. so familiar. It's so much fun. I'm going to lose I, I, I have to look it up. I have to look it up. I'm looking it up. <laughs> um, maybe not. Maybe it was scheduled for something and then it like the festival never happened. I don't know. It says um, the Austin Film Festival. Okay. And the Milwaukee Festival. I don't um, know. Also, I should probably mention that our, our episode of Certified Forgotten will be on Friday the 12th. So The Witching Hour and Certified Forgotten. We're going to be talking about the movie Breaking Surface. So. Okay. I'm so pumped. I can't wait. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a journey. Is it still Friday? I think it is. It's always so. Thank you guys so much for bearing with us, for enjoying this weird ride we just went on. Problems. My hair is going yeah. in every direction today. We yeah. don't know words. Everybody, like, give these a fun farewell. Because you're, you're not... <laughs> Like uh, hopefully this never happens again, but you're not going to see them ever again if it does ha- if it doesn't happen. So goodbye, Haley. Where can everyone find all your great work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Haley Pouch. You can find me on Instagram at Haystack McGroovy, and um, obviously on Collider, where you should read all of Perry's seven thousand Wandavision interview stories. <laughs> that Elizabeth Olsen ladies' night was so good. She's so cool. And when I say good, I give myself none of the credit. I feel like so much of that show rides on someone else being so enthusiastic about talking about their journey and, you know, really digging into the cracks of how they got to where they are now. And and she definitely did that. And I really appreciated it. So go over to Collider.com and check that out. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at P. Nemiroff. I guess you should probably keep an eye on my accounts for Sunday. That's where I'm going to leave you. All right. We're out of here. That's it. You have officially survived the witching hour.